Josh had a rant saved up, yes, so I want to hear this rant. rant. Uh, uh, so, so let's 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 um, in and that at and that aspect is. Come on, I he you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, what was it? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Oh, I love Mr. Josh Brewer. I just love so how much. that's unedited. No, that is edited. <laughs> oh, I thought that was unedited. No. Oh, no, that long... was that was edited. That oh. was me bringing a bunch of clips together because Josh, the first time you heard it, thought it was unedited. Oh, okay. He's well, like, I, he's like, forgot. I don't remember doing that. I I can't believe that was unedited. Oh, no, that was Josh. definitely edited. Dang it! Um, where I took a bunch of segments like that together and just. Because I know you did that for yourself, but then I thought for whatever reason, I was like, no, Josh, it's just that special where I didn't have to edit it. No, because if you notice, there are different times in the the background where you were making certain noises where all of a sudden that noise got cut off as we moved on to a different clip. Oh, I didn't pay attention that way. Dang. Aaron's Aaron's like the little child in the back, bouncing in the background. It's like, could you see the difference? You know, it's one of those old, you know, concentration things where you're paying attention, where you're told to pay attention to what's happening on stage. You know, you're told to pay attention to look for any changes in the actors. And then they trot out like someone in the Easter Bunny costume across the oh, stage and no one notices it. it. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. You're paying attention so much to what Josh is doing and no one notices the Aaron in the background going, <laughs> or his new favorite thing, which I, yeah, that <laughs> noise right there, which I, I finally found an example to cut and send him. And, <laughs> and Aaron was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe I did that. <laughs> and I have so many examples of that. I, I think I might no, have an intro coming with no. just you doing. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Added. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but anyways, today. <laughs> anyway. Today we're uh, on part two of this experiment. This experiment called Aaron's Book Club. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> a, it's ABC. Gotta start somewhere. One, two, three. Oh my gosh. <gasps> that old song. Whoa. Aaron's Book Club, ABC. I said this last time, I, too. You did. You totally did. And even the podcast episode title that went out, in it's, case you didn't notice, it was ABC. No, I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> it was ABC Part 1, because Aaron's Book Club Part 1. <laughs> glad you pay attention oh so well sir i don't but i don't <laughs> i know so last time we went through chapters one through six of what he must be if he wants to marry my daughter yeah i'm not doing that and i remember saying that there were parts of the book in the first six chapters that started giving me room for pause and those pauses became longer pregnanted pauses as I went through the second half of this book. And there are parts in here I'm like, yes, I agree with. And parts in here I'm going, I, 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 no, I do not agree with 100%. Yeah. And maybe it's just me. I'm not as uh, conservative as this guy is. 
Got that right. I'm just kidding. It very well know. could be. I have no Or idea. it could be other things. I don't know what those are. Yeah. And we will see what those are as we go through. And I'm interested to hear how some of your thoughts on some of those things are as well. Oh boy. So this again is um, the book, What He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter by Vody Bakum Jr. Bakum. Uh, this was originally, well, at least this version was published, copyrighted 2009. And wow. he would have been like his late forties when he wrote this book at the time. So chapter seven, I read the title and I laughed. Oh no, I don't remember what the title is. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> for two reasons. Yeah. Two reasons. One, I was like, oh, this definitely is not an errant thing. Um, what? No, nah, I'm, I'm kidding. Maybe. I don't no. know. <laughs> um, so there was first that. And then secondly, because I've been watching Letter Kenny recently, what, what do they talk about? Like one of the first things in the first episode, what's the funniest uh, thing in the world to Wayne? It's watching children fall off oh, the bikes. Yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of cracked up laughing just because of that. And yeah, I definitely do not recommend that show for anyone under the age of 18 <laughs> at all not recommend it uh, language 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 and topics Lots of it yeah <laughs> maybe we'll discuss later why it was probably a bad idea for me to watch that show <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea because now i remember it or know of it yeah i know that's what i'm saying but anyways <laughs> so I, I i again i've watched i read this and i was like okay yeah. What he must be, he must be committed to children. And at first, I'm thinking, like, okay, what does this mean here? What does this mean by he must be committed to children? And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to be walking into with this one. Really? And I figured the committed to having children one was going to be in there. Yeah. That one, like, I, I was like, come on, you know that that's going to be in there completely. Yeah. What kind of took me by surprise a little bit. A little bit was his stance on the whole, you know, woman working outside the home and men, you know, not, you know, working at, at home sort of deal. And I was like, interesting. He, oh. He's really kind of taking that, that, that really hard course, you know, he's like, well, this isn't true for everyone, but this is how it should be biblically. And da, 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 da. I'm like, just, I thought he, I thought later on, he, I, I didn't think he was that hardcore on that. He, point, he, you know, I he's, he's saying, you know, it's not that a woman has to be confined to the home, but like some people yeah. will say and all that, but essentially he's going back to his previous statement, you know, that, that in the example that he had, you know, where the woman goes, oh, I understand you're a preacher, but what are you doing here? You know, to the stay at home dad, it's going back to yeah. that thing again, yeah. saying essentially, you know, us. He says, put simply, a suitor must have a commitment for providing for his family without depending on the mother of his children to hold down both household and an outside career. Right. Read other earlier, one of the things that he does in marriage counseling is he makes them draw up a budget with only one income. Right. Only his, not hers. Yeah. You know, and then he has um, his little poem that he ends the chapter with. Put the baby in the beam. Oh, that he wrote. Wait, he, wait. Oh, I guess I totally didn't even look that he wrote that. Yeah, he says, I thought about that scene for the rest oh, of my oh, walk. Oh. As I did, a phrase kept and coming to my mind. Eventually, baby. that phrase became a poem. Yeah. And that phrase was, put the baby, baby in, in the, the beamer. Beam. And what he's doing is he's talking about he was on the walk. 
and he noticed, you know, two uh, people, a mother and a father, uh, they were, you know, well, relatively well off to do. They yeah. both had beamers, you know, and it was like, <laughs> you know, it, and they he was saying money. the house looked great that they were in, but, you know, he's talking that, you know, it was before the sun was uh, even up in Houston and it was still cold out and he saw the cars warming up outside and he noticed that they were taking the kid in putting them in the car while the kid was still asleep. Like the kid hadn't even woken up yet. Yeah. You know, and they're like, okay, what are you doing with your, you know, your life? You're, you know, you're both working and all that. Yeah. So that, that's where that put the baby in the Beamer. But yeah, right. I, I, he kind of was definitely, at least from my reading of it, was a lot more on the side of you're the man, you work, you provide. Right. You're the woman, you... Raise the kids at home. Or raise the kids at home. You know, and obviously he's like, you know, sometimes, you know, like, you know, maybe you'll go out and teach a lesson here or there. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But other than that, mm-hmm. he's like, how can you not, how can you not live on one um, income? Which I say, have you seen American prices recently? Well, <laughs> yeah, granted at the time, yeah. Well, yeah. when he wrote this, right? It was still pretty rough though, wasn't it? It was during the previous recession yeah. under Obama. Yeah. So at the time, yeah. gas prices were pretty high. Gosh, was it that long ago when Obama was president? What years was he president? 08 through crap. end of 15, start of 16. Yeah. And then Trump was 16 to 20. 20. Oh my goodness, time. Wow. Yeah, I know. Time is crazy. Time goes by, you know, because he, you know, you can be president if you're elected twice, you know, for two terms, mm-hmm. eight years. So that was Obama's time. So wow. at the time, and, you know, and he, he and he's complaining in here about him filling up his truck for like. For $96? Yeah, $96. And I'm oh, sitting there laughing. You should see my tank now, boy. <laughs> I, I'm filling up my vehicle for 50 some bucks. Yeah. And so I can't even imagine, you know, a full size pickup truck. And uh-huh. I'm just like, ooh, boy. Uh huh. But we'll get to that in a little bit as well about some of the other things that happen in those uh, chapters. But uh-huh. <laughs> why are you going? I'm still thinking about the week and I spent 180 bucks on gas. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But rough. yeah, just going through this chapter, you know, obviously it's essentially what he's trying to get at is. Whoever his daughter is going to marry must want children and must want to father children and must want to work so much that they provide for their children, which don't get me wrong. That is great. I'm all for that, but I don't know. He seems a little on the more only the man works in this chapter than when I was saying earlier. I remember having it, like the group was talking that I originally read this with. We had a discussion a little bit on that. As reading it, I was like, because there's nothing wrong with a woman working. I guess I just imagine during the time as for a baby, like that's growing, mm-hmm. it's probably very important for the mom to stay with the baby for so long, you know? Right. Um, which I guess, you know, I, obviously there's daycares and stuff like that. How, how some people take that, they just take it to too far of an extreme. Because it's like, you can find a daycare. Like, especially if you're a Christian, I'm sure you can find a daycare that will, you know, be good for them to go to, I suppose. I'd hope. I don't know. I'm not a parent. I don't know these things. I haven't looked into this stuff. Okay. <laughs> 
but it's like you still have how much time with your kids outside of work once you're back home with your kids again to continue raising them raising them and teaching them stuff mm-hmm. so i guess it's just depending on finding that time of when would it be okay and i guess that probably would depend on case to case as to far as far as to when are you okay with them being at a daycare kind of thing and, right you know having, yeah it, it's kind yeah. of that balancing act that you got to yeah. have between it you know and the one thing I'll get on him about on this book, yeah, or this chapter, I should say, not this book at all, yeah. but in this chapter, you know, he's like, oh, yes, yeah, so the father must go and he must be the one to provide all the money for all the children. Okay, whatever. But then they must also be the ones to nurture the children, you know, and provide guidance for the children, you know, outside, you know, like what, you know, the wife does, the mother does, mm-hmm. you know, and that I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> he's like, I'm just like, which is it that you want them to do? There's only so many hours in the day. I get it, you know. So that's I'm like, right. I it, guess it, it, as I say, it's easier if they're both working to have that balancing act, because then you know, you know, you don't have to worry about am I having the job enough to you know make enough money and all that to provide for the all the children. It's like okay, the wife's working, but we have the kid in uh, daycare as well. Maybe you know. I guess I think I, I also think of. Having trying to who to a point and live off of one salary is probably better, besides the whole kid thing, as to where what happens when one of the people gets well, one of the uh, the men or wow, husband or wife, what if one of them gets laid off, right? And then they have to go so long. I mean, now obviously that you can, there's a whole thing about savings and stuff like that. But it's like, if something like that happens and you're used to living off of two incomes. It can be rough for a while. It could be extremely rough for a long time, depending on how things recover, if things do. Yeah. But I also look at it this way. If you're relying on one income, right? mm -hmm. And then... They get laid off. <laughs> you're in even. Well, then you're even. Well, yeah, but well, no, you're in worse spot than no. if you were in. If you're not? if you're living off of one income, but both people are working. Oh, I see. You, that's it, what I'm thinking see if, of. So if, if I, both are working and but you're still living off of one income, then yes, you have so much more money to save up. But but stuff. yeah, this Vody Bokum would still be like, no, 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 don't do that. I was thinking yeah. I, when I heard when I was hearing that, I was thinking of yeah. one person working one income sort of. No, deal. okay, no, it's it's still living off of one income mostly, yeah. but still allowing both people to work because then one can work on the savings and one can work on the bills or just dive, divide it up however you want. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I wish I only listened to, well, my own financial advice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to give it than to listen to it, isn't yeah, it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yep. 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 I get it there. So, uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on, he must be committed to children other than the fact that he does, well, he gives a very long example of someone who like goes overboard on um his children like oh tozer, yes yeah, where tozer, tozer eventually so what it is is in the beginning tozer is like kind of traveling all over kind of almost neglecting his family to be honest that no he was yeah, and then absolutely at the end 
he doted on his daughter like he, he yeah, did like a weird. 180 but it was a 180 obsession with his daughter, his daughter so much that it was over his wife and that where he was white Whiting. Whiting. He, he was <laughs> writing his daughter letters and not his wife while he was on the road. Yeah, that's messed up. And I was like, there's something funky going on there. Yeah. In my mind. There's well, I'd imagine in most people's mind would think that. It was just like, a, but it was an example of how you can go too far in either direction as well. Right. Where you have and to then, have that balance. I mean, uh, there was, so, okay, so, but kind of going from that, from the other opposite end, there's that whole thing about the couples that, that got married, but then ended up getting divorced because the man would not budge on the thought of not having kids. Right. Um, which, which, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I guess I would say biblically, if you end up getting married, you should have kids. I thought there was a verse in there talking about not, maybe not in this, that he mentioned in the chapter, but I'm talking about whole, like, you know, man woman come together and then you know populate the earth kind of thing whatever although the earth is already well populated but yeah he he refers but, to the wonderful psalm 127 verse oh okay that's not what i'm thinking oh behold children are a heritage from the lord yes. the fruit of the womb of reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth yeah. blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them yeah so and that, then i liked how he kind of broke some of that down in the different translations and then how the ESV is um, made it more of a proactive sounding thing versus just a passive uh, verse, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but, and no, I thought, yeah, I'll have to look for that at some point. The one thing that I thought was weird was his whole thing his paragraph where he's talking about you know it's rarity now to have big families and stuff like that and i was just like there's as far as i know there's nothing that tells you you need to have a big family in the bible <laughs> right he's <laughs> like, probably, he's probably pointing back to the that psalm verse you know right, filling the quiver going, with yeah arrows but it's like a children because it's like you can go to a point where it's just Un, it's irresponsible for how many kids you can have where it's right because you know let's say you know i'm not making a comment on you Aaron, on this right okay but someone like you if you followed his advice and you lived only on the man's salary so on your Frick, salary only, are, I, uh, okay i have a lot of selling of stuff to do yeah but let's say you found a wife yeah. and you're living on your salary from uh your speed wrap stuff whoa okay uh, we live having, in a shack. Having 10 children would be irresponsible Absolutely. to the children. Having eight kids right now would be irresponsible <laughs> financially. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. But what I'm saying is it would be irresponsible in the fact that it would you would give them a very low quality of life. Yes, they would be alive. Yes, there would be another child. But do you bring a child into the world just to have a child? Or do you bring right. a child in where you can actually you know provide? I'm not saying you have to grant them the greatest of luxuries. Heck I'm no. saying where you bring them in and be like, you have the basic, you have food on the table. Right. The you have the necessities. You, you know, you're not freezing when it, Fairness. when it goes into winter mode in that it's where you're actually able to live. You know, yeah. th that's, a, that's an actual fair thought and a fair thing to plan in a fair conversation, which is why, like I said, this chapter was probably the chapter that started turning me away from this book. But right. we'll continue going on down that path on why I started going, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, goodness gracious, no. <laughs>
Yeah. So that was chapter seven. Chapter eight. He what? Must... Oh, what else do you got? I think this is still in seven. There was a couple. Yeah, this is still seven because it's only a couple pages after. Okay. There was just a couple of things I underlined. I feel like that were that were more on the can, <laughs> victing side. Um, on page one twenty nine, I have the I this is no I underlined I had this one underlined from the get go, and then I underlined something else my second time going through it. Mm-hmm. First one though is he who tolerates evil, which it is his province to suppress, is an accomplice, and the blood of the doers is red on his hands. That sounds very uh. <gasps> Scary. Yep. And this is actually in reference back to Eli and his sons. Yes. That's what they're referencing back to. Yes. Um, yeah. Thanks for bringing that in there. Yep. Uh, that was back, I believe that's from 1 Samuel 3. I believe they're talking yeah, about that. Correct. Um, yeah. So, and then he adds his own little commentary. Woe to the young woman who is blind to this kind of passivity and a potential suitor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like. It's <laughs> very dramatic. Like, oh. Dude, you're getting a little too involved in your daughter's love life, but <laughs> that's well, more I to mean, come on that. No, and we may disagree on that. I don't know. We'll see yeah. when we get there. Go on. I guess no, I, I just I wonder like depending on how old the kid is, that's where for me it's drawing a line. Or like if they're young and just getting into the whole thing of love and stuff like that, it's like you want to be He was doing this still with his eighteen year old plus daughter oh i don't yeah we'll get into that later on because that's covered in other chapters and that's where he started to lose me greatly yeah and i was like oh great okay um but anyways go on what was the other oh oh and this this does kind of come back to uh I guess was this stuff with Tozer? Okay, Tozer. But it was um he actually believed that God would bring back his oh would bring his children back to to the faith because he had neglected them for the sake of his ministry. Right. So what what and this is going back to Tozer and all of his yeah. thing where he essentially neglected his family. Yes. And he essentially thought that because he was serving God so well and so much and doing all these things for God, that if his children left the faith that He'd God bring would bring them right back. back. Instead of being like, Oh wait, they're my children. I need to intervene and right. talk I to need them. To, I need to be a father to these kids. Yeah. yeah. No. Apparently not. Yeah. No, okay, so that's the end of that. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. So, so then we eight. go we, we go into chapter eight. And I was mad reading through this again. Is the last one two of the four Ps or Yes. Okay, that's okay. I was like, wait, where's the fourth freaking P? <laughs> so well he tells you right away. Yeah, he again, does. I know. Again, all <laughs> these chapters follow through. the same uh format. He's gonna tell you what he's gonna tell you, he tells you it, and then he tells you what he told you. Yeah, yeah. So the the Alpha's chapters follow that same format. So if you read right away in the in here, right? Yeah. Um trying to find exactly where it is. But he talks about the four P's being that of oh, oh I'm sorry, it's in the intro here. 
Yeah. yeah Every governor it, of a family yeah. ought to look upon himself as obliged to act in three capa- uh, capabilities as a prophet to instruct, as a priest to pray for and with, as a king to govern, direct, and provide for them. And essentially that turns into the four Ps, which are protector. Yep. Provider. Provider. Prophet and priest. Prophet and priest. Yep. Yeah. Because the first time I went there too, I was like, wait. There's three. Where's the fourth yeah, one? That's... Where's the fourth one? I, I'm, I'm lost on this Yeah. One. Yeah. So as he says, as fathers, we have been charged by God to be priest, prophet, provider, and protector in the lives of our, of our daughters. Um, before we can give our daughters away to another, we must be sure that each of our duties in our daughter's lives will be carried out by the one to whom we entrust them. And then he talks about, you know, how he literally believes, uh, he, so I'll, I'll just go read it because uh-huh. trying to summarize it, not as good as just reading what he says. Read it. Contrary to popular belief and contemporary practice, the Bible makes it clear that fathers are to give their daughters a marriage, not send them off and hope they come back with a good one. Remember that because that comes back later on in the next chapter. Wow. Where Man, I'm so glad I'm doing this with you because there is so much I missed. <laughs> Yeah, the, there's because there's things in here that I'm reading, yeah. and I'm like, I can never do this if I had a kid to them, mm-hmm. because to make it simple, essentially this guy is uh, kind of of the mindset, and this is part of the last chapter, not the outro, but the last chapter of it, where it's the guy before you even date has to go, sir. I am interested in your daughter. May I date her? And then he goes, hmm, I see your shortcomings in here, here, and here. I'm going to train you in these things first before you can date my daughter. See, that would... And then then their dates essentially consist of always being in the house with the parents only. Right. Never on their own. Right. So I guess... It would be interesting to hear... Hear... um, their response to how he raised them. I you mean, know, they're probably going to be, especially now, because remember, this is oh nine when the right. kids were eighteen, right? So it'd be interesting to hear how either they how think that it was went. good or not, or where hmm. the marriages are still going strong or not, right? Yeah, because that's that's the thing too is like when I'm reading this, it does make. To, uh, there's been times where it's like when I'm reading this, I'm like, man, I'm just gonna toss in the towel now and just forget about it. Um, but then at the same time, it's just like no one's ever gonna be if, as far as like to this guy's standards or just biblical standards, no one's ever gonna be fully ready for, I guess, marriage in that sense, biblically by a biblical standard. Going into it, that's all stuff that gets fleshed out as time goes on. Yeah. So, so I don't know. So let's go through the four P's that he talks about. Yeah. Unless you have anything in the intro segment uh, reference. Oh. Okay. Oh. So the first one must be a protector. Okay. Yes. I was like, okay, cool. You know, he says the basic of these requirements is that they, is that of protection. He must assume the role as protector of woman. Uh, and then he goes on and talks and in, in a way this is also uh, a review again about some 
previous chapters because mm-hmm. he goes on to talk about how women are the weaker vessel according to Peter mm-hmm. and all that other stuff and just talking about some examples through it um, specifically this Dr. Roland Taylor of Hadley and how he essentially protected and then you know some I, I guess you could say the the subcon the, not the subcontext the um, uh, sub qualities of being a protector such as personal holiness, true gentleness, great resolve, um, was genuine compassion, true bravery. You know, those are subcomponents of protection where, you know, they, they all combine and are a part of it and you need all of them together as well. So, you know, it's the four P's with all the sub points inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, mm. go on. You know, I, I'm just, now I'm hung up on the whole of the weaker vessel thing. Why are you hung up about that? Because it's like, I guess, overall, I mean, I guess, yeah, men are, I guess, physically stronger than women. Mm-hmm. It just brought me back to a time I remember <laughs> in like elementary school or something. I don't know. It was like one of those early grade school levels, whatever. There was this one girl in class who was fairly strong and i remember there's like a whole competition against like what guys could actually beat her in an arm wrestle that was always funny a lot of them lost um but that's also baby age yeah um but i was just thinking like because i mean now to say that today hoof that's offensive or just yeah very uh i guess wrong in today's eyes today's society and culture yeah Yeah, and he does say it you know this isn't meant to be a derogatory thing he's like right you know just by nature men tend to be now is that also because i'm i was just wondering is that as far as the whole weaker vessel thing goes is that just both physically and emotionally or I guess I've been trying to wonder, I was like, where does that lie, I guess, as a whole versus just one aspect of men and women? Yeah, probably more, probably more on that physical side, you know. And, yeah. and Now, don't get me wrong. People have misused that reference in the past mm-hmm. um, as sort of like, a, oh, they can be in full control of a woman and maybe even abuse someone. That's not what it's meaning at all. It, no. it, it literally is going at the biological fact that in general there are exceptions to the rule but right. in general men are usually bigger and stronger than women and women usually a little bit smaller and typically shorter less muscular than men yeah. there are exceptions <laughs> there definitely are right. exceptions uh to that and you see that especially and you know you know they're in, like the women's powerlifting and all that and you're like okay you know yeah <laughs> she definitely she, not the weaker one she could beat me to a yeah. bloody pulp <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not saying that they're weaker spiritually or oh, no. emotionally okay. or anything like that. It's just yeah. in general, physically, right. that's what it tends to be. Yeah. And, and like I said, that's the general rule. There are exceptions, exceptions to it. Yep. So, yeah. So that's what I was doing uh, with that. And, and then essentially he uh, uses Dr. Rowland Taylor of Hadley uh, 
and so he's from Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, that's where that story comes from. And he basically uses that for a good chunk of the rest of the book here for this first P for protection yeah. and showing kind of how he helped, you know, um, protect his family and all that through things, you know, so essentially like uh, under resolve, right? It says when Taylor knew he was to be martyred, he sent a book to his son with his son to his wife and children. At the end of the book, he had an incredible statement that gives us a glimpse into his resolve. I say to my wife and to my children, the Lord gave you unto me, and the Lord hath taken me from you, and you from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that they are blessed which die in the Lord. God careth for sparrows and for the hairs of our heads. I have ever found him more faithful and favorable than than is any father or husband. Sorry, my brain like short-circuited with that. <laughs> wording that. I was like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> Trust ye therefore in him by means of our dear Savior Christ's merits. Believe Love, fear, and obey him. Pray to him, for he hath promised to help. Count me not dead, for I shall certainly live and never I, and never die. I go before, and you shall follow after to our long home. Our old English is archaic. <laughs> yes. It's just hard to read. It's tough. <laughs> but, you know, that's a statement, you know, be, he knew he was going to die, and he sent that with his son back to mm. his wife and the rest of his children as kind of his final message to them. Mm. And but through it all, he showed his resolve of like, hey, I, I know what's going to happen to me. I know what's going to happen, and uh, I'm good with it. And hey, I won't be here to protect you anymore. But hey, you know, he, he basically says, you know, hey, believe in God, pray to God, trust in Him on what's going to happen next. Right. There was one thing that uh, just kind of like looking through, I was like, oh wait, there's stuff that I had must have underlined from before that I forgot about but one okay. thing that had stuck out to me was when he's talking about like gentleness and stuff yeah I've never thought of um uh I guess of it this way where on page 144 I just have a section underlined where it says gentleness is strength under control mm-hmm. never thought of that that way I always thought of gentle just being soft and being nice Right, but to a point, but it, I guess I've never thought of the whole thing strength being under control. Yeah, because you know what what you're able to do, what you're capable of, and yeah. you know, you know, for example, me and you, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know I could easily do some things that would either hurt you or really wound you or destroy you mentally and emotionally, maybe <gasps> physically, whatever. I'm right? Of you now. <laughs> But but gentleness is knowing that strength, knowing what you can do, yeah. And instead choosing to be gentle, quote unquote, yeah. You know, be kind, be controlled around that person, even though you know you could easily just bah! exactly nail them. Exactly, Give them a good one too. You mm. know, it, it's one of those things of you know you could easily, you know look at like a like a law enforcement or a judge or whatever they could easily throw the book at someone you know that's more grace you know where you could throw the book at someone but it kind of ties into that gentleness where you could just yell at them scream at them for what they did wrong and instead they could sit down talk with you in a calm voice explain to you what you did wrong and how to correct it yeah they're not coming from a position of weakness they're coming from a position of strength saying i have the law behind me saying you broke it you did something wrong. 
here's why you did it wrong and here's how to fix it so you don't do this again. Mm. 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 Man. Uh, so if you look on top of page 145, right? Oh, yeah. <gasps> it's literally the first yeah. chunk of text. Yeah. It goes, yeah. imagine yeah. that, a man who is void of all rank, rancor, rancor, grudge, or evil will, and yet stout in rebuking the sinful and evildoers. This is a portrait of manhood that is desperately needed in our day. In other words, someone who is not doing evil, who is not, you know, I don't know what, you know, whatever you consider rancor and grudge, whatever you want, you know, a, a dirty man or whatever, right? Yeah. But yet is still stern in saying no to what is evil going on. Mm-hmm. That's what it's talking about. In other words, you can be stern, you can be strict, you can tell things no that are, and call things wrong that are wrong without falling into those things, right. without falling into being that. Yeah. So that, that's th- tough to do, especially it, when it the, uh, especially when the uh, good old emotions start to get a hold of you. Exactly. By the way, I I love he's at it's at the end of the protector thing. Yeah, and it's like, and again, th- this is where he's starting to lose me in this book. How can a young woman hear stories of men like Crowell and Taylor and find weak, selfish, godless men attractive? Oh. <laughs> I was like, easily. I was like, all right, all right, all right. You telling I, me that you never found? I was like, godless women very attractive. I was like, I was like, look around. Women like the the you know the 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 they like the dangers, the side danger of guys. The da- the... That's what I was looking for. I was like, the tough guys. No, not the tough guys. That's what he's advocating for. The um, dangerous. Guys. Well. See, I suppose tough can look very different from Christian tough versus uh, dangerous boy tough. Yeah. Rough and tough and adventurous and stuff and whoa. So the next segment provider made me laugh a little. Oh, gosh. Because I was like, oh, Aaron. (laughs) Stop it. Why? (laughs) So... So he must be a provider. And he then, must have a job. <laughs> so there's three bullet points in here, right? Yeah. The first one, it, you have this. You must have a job. He must have a job. You got a job. Okay, cool. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> he must have a work ethic. I'm going to assume based on the work that you've been there so long and they're uh, get, trying to get you on the, um, what is that? The oh, forklift. Truck, yeah, and all that, certified. That and you probably have some work ethic and all that. They haven't fired Somewhere. you yet. Yeah, yet. But the last one, the last one's what made me laugh when I was thinking about you. He must have a plan. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I laughed when I read that too. I was like, oh. (laughs) That's what he's lacking. I was like, Aaron does not have a plan. I know this because I have tried multiple times. (laughs) Aaron, so where do you see yourself in 10 years? Five years? Not even the 10 year, the five year. Five year, year, yeah. Five years. Yeah. Uh, 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 Whereas at our job, they make us write out like what we plan to do in five years. Like we actually have to write long-term goal plans and all that. Just, and I'm, I'm actually in the process of fulfilling one of those long-term goals. I'm actually taking, it's going to be a 10 month certification course that I'm in the process of taking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Exactly. So, wow. you know, it's one of those things of, I have a plan and I have to get through it. And 
July 4th is really cutting into it because it's like, oh yeah, we're not taking the week of July 4th off. I'm like, are you serious? What do you mean you're not taking that off? So I have to get it ahead of the class, but regardless of the fact. So yeah, this one was pretty simple. He must have a job. He must have a work ethic. And by work ethic, he means not be lazy and all that. Well, I have a hard time with that at times. Oh, so do I. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Uh, And then, um. Yeah, I did. I I I like. I laughed at this. Well, I shouldn't say laughed at, but the first time I read it, I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I was like, "Oh, wait, now I understand." It's on page one fifty, and says, "In addition to talk without action, in other words, he's just talking about uh, ahead. You know, people who like to talk talk a good talk and not actually have any action to back it up." But he says, "Dependence on others for provision is a perversion of biblical manhood." In other words, no taking handouts <laughs> is what he. Essentially, it's what he's getting at here. Oh. Oh, okay. But. Because I, <laughs> I had. What do you have? I had. So before the must have a work ethic, I had a paragraph like kind of like just like boop. Whereas, whereas the being a provider is not about the amount of money one makes. There are men who make millions but don't provide for their families half as well as men hovering around minimum wage. Sure, they give their families more toys and gadgets, but that's not provision. Moreover, there, there are men who make a great deal of money with little effort who still fall short, okay, of biblical manhood, uh, because they lack work ethic. Oh, okay, then which goes into work ethic. Yep. But uh, what is it? Oh, especially significant in, is Solomon's warning that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs thirteen eleven. Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess the whole wealth gained hastily will dwindle is definitely true. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, wow. <laughs> that seems to be everyone's kind of MO right now, <laughs> especially the way the, the uh-huh. current uh, environment is right now in 2022. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so then on to the work ethic. In other words, he's like, just don't be lazy. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yes, that I finally get that. I, I, and I get that. I shouldn't yeah. say finally get that. I get that. Um, you know, and he talks about how Paul kind of shows that example. He says, Paul makes it clear that he and the other apostles led by example in this area. This issue was so important to the apostle that he and those with him in Thessalonica chose not to live off of gifts from the church, opting to toil and labor instead. It is as though Paul anticipated this problem and chose not to accept support in this particular church plant in an effort to make this pressing point. In other words, you know, he's saying, you know, Paul could have easily gone to the church and said, hey, we're the apostles. We're here to grow the church. We want you to support us. And no, he instead said, no, we're, we're instead we're working, you know, a nine to five in addition to doing all this apostolic work. Right. And in other Which words, it's good. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> what were you about to say? Well, no, because I, I was just thinking. <laughs> um, no, I was thinking of uh, don't be afraid to take gifts, but don't depend on them. Right. It's one thing when a, it's a gift that's given, yes. you know, to you. It's another thing when you're going. Uh, uh, Please, I need help, this help, help, help. And don't get me wrong, okay. This is not to say that there are times when people have things that come up in their lives beyond their control where they need help. An unexpected bill, an unexpected surgery, an unexpected illness, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe they had 
you know, funds set aside, you know, to cover emergencies. But it, you know, we've all been there where it seems like it's just one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Mm -hmm. And things just go horrible and all that savings and that extra money gets drained. And and you're just like, now what? Yeah. And that does happen. And in those cases, help the people. That's why, you know, a lot of churches have, like our church, we have a deacon fund where if someone needs assistance, we can give them money that is not reported on necessarily on where it goes, just to be able to help members of the church. And it's at the discretion of the deacons to hand that fund out and how much they hand out um, with the anticipation that it's to help someone, especially maybe, you know, a random setback, you know, maybe they're just, you know, they lost their, you know, especially during COVID, right? You know, someone lost their job because the company closed or downsized or whatever. And then, you know, they were just starting to get on their feet and that set them back. And now they're on the verge of like losing their house or losing electricity or whatever. And they need to get that that paid to be able to get that back going. So that does happen. So there's a difference between depending on and living on solely handouts and a gift and sometimes going, you know what? I need help to get over this current little crisis. Yeah. And in all those cases, except the always hitting out, living on the handout thing, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yes, let's let's help the person. Let's do it. There's no shame in that. And he doesn't address that in particular in here, but I just wanted to address that as well. If you yeah. ever pick up the book, don't feel shame in that of being like, I need help on this. Because right. we all need help at certain points in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I I laughed when uh, I turned to the next page on one fifty two because I literally have he must have a plan underlined. Yeah, <laughs> and then I have later, uh, underlined is the whole because oh man I heard this from one of my what was my computer teacher when I was at good old RCS but it was. <laughs> Failure to plan is planning to fail. I was like, dang it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Words cut deep. I I, I laughed at this next next phrase I'm going to say. And the the reason I laughed was this was written back in 2009, right? Or published back in 2009. So probably written by 05 and, you know, maybe even a little bit beforehand started. This phrase. Because I was like, this is so true of our current culture today. He's so right still. As I have said repeatedly, we are no longer raising women. We are raising men who happen to be biologically capable of having children. And I was like, oh, if that isn't current 2022 (laughs) society, right? (laughs) You know, young couples come in with this big idea about how they're going to juggle two careers and eventually start a family. However, when real life hits, they often find themselves several years down the road with commitments that make a family seem like a distant improbability. Impossibility. Not improbability. Impossibility. I'm just like, yeah, I get it. Um, and this, he must have a plan segment. It's really short because essentially he's going just, he's like, plan, plan, right. plan. And his plan is plan finances, budgeting, and the need to plan for the wife to take care of the children once they arrive. That That's his idea of yeah. doing the plan. I was like, okay, <laughs> I see where he's going. Hmm. And we'll continue on that path of why he lost me. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next one, he must be a prophet slash priest. 
Um, and he goes, we've dealt with this in an earlier chapter. And I had to go, did we? And I was like, oh, wait, yes, we did talk about this way back in an earlier chapter. Kind of like the whole, he must be prepared to lead like Christ. He must be a follower of Christ. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't need to spend too much time in it. And honestly, I didn't spend that much time in it. Um, you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I kind of look at his bullet points, his thing here, you know, such as a man must pray with and for his family. I was like, okay, yep, that's uh that's a duh. And a man must preach to his family. And I was like, that one's a, that bullet point I got there. I was like, that seems a little bit weird, but uh, did you have anything that stuck out to you, sir? Where he must preach to his family? Yeah. I guess, I mean, I, I'm with that bullet point. I've been, makes me think as far as for my family growing up, I guess there wasn't, I guess when I think of, I don't know, I, I guess I depends on what you think of what preaching is. Cause like, obviously it's not like a whole Sunday morning preacher kind of thing going on. It's just, it, uh, there's definitely times where we would try and get together as a family to read or listen to something having to do with the Bible and stuff. Then we'd have a discussion afterwards and Mm -hmm. stuff. And then that's kind of, I guess where the old man would, in a sense, have moments of preaching and stuff like that, but it was never, and just even like in moments of where if I was being disobedient, if I was doing something wrong, those were preachable moments or, and preachable teachable, teachable moments. Um, so I mean that, I mean, that's, I guess that's definitely something I would say is important. I guess I, I guess I, yeah, I just wonder on how, people interpret that as yeah, what is it, preaching to your kids or your family. Yeah, and and the way I originally read it, and that's why I said I was like, okay, yeah. Um it was like literally like a preaching thing. But he kind of breaks it down to where it's like family worship. I'm like, okay, I get that. Yeah. Um uh, but I'm like it I don't think it had to be its own bullet point. It could have been mixed in with uh must pray with and for his family because that's part of worship as well. Yeah. So right, right. That that was just my thought. And that's where I'm like, okay, and in the back of my head, I literally went, okay, he's trying to pad out some pages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure. But was, is there anything else in chapter eight? No, I mean, what you just said was uh, nothing was um, at bottom. Well, no, not bottom. Uh, at top of 157 where it says, nothing will spur a father toward godly spiritual discipline in his own walk with Christ more than leading his family in worship. Um, yeah, that's from... Uh, James Alexander in his book, Thoughts on Family Worship. Yeah. 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 And then I just liked, I don't know, when I was at the end of this, when I read this, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, I mean, that'd be nice, a cute little uh, I don't know, decoration or what, <laughs> I don't know what, what, what it's specifically called, but you know, for how like the Christian families have like the, like the verses. Yeah. Out on, you know, reading that last one, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I was like, oh, boom. <laughs> There's a cute little. Yep. And a lot of people have that there. Oh, I, for I, sure. I've seen that plaque in a lot of yeah. places. All right. So chapter nine. 
And chapter nine is the second to last chapter. <laughs> By the way, chapter 10 was just a weird chapter title name. Dude, I don't remember. Uh, can't find is. one. Build one. Build one. Oh, that's and right. I was like, <laughs> where is this going? Right. So chapter I, yeah, nine. I, I don't think I really had anything on. On chapter nine? Oh, wait, no, I had a couple things. Chapter nine is where he completely lost me. What did I have on? And where I completely said, yeah, yeah, no. Okay. So, chapter nine is don't send a woman to do a man's man's job. job. Right. (laughs) So, the first page and a half is essentially this story. You know, it's, it's, it's a story about... Jack, a guy, he's like, oh, he's well built, he's athletic, he puts all of his guns out with this cleaner, <clears> he's <throat> gonna clean them. Yeah. You know, this this boy comes up right on time, you know, and introduces himself to the to the to the man. You know, and the man says, Come in, sit down, and starts cleaning his guns and basically the whole Int- intimidation thing going yeah, on. Yeah, he's like, Do you remember what time I told you to have her back? Yes, sir, eleven thirty. Um, don't worry, I'll take good care of her and get her back long before that. Right. And you're going on like, man, you know, he's going all out for this guy to date his daughter. And then he's like, he's like, he reaches into Jack, the man reaches into his pocket and gives him the keys to a brand new 6.5 liter, 12 cylinder, all wheel drive Lamborghini. (laughs) And I was just like, Okay. 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 <laughs> he goes, I want her back without as much as a scratch. He goes, of course, the story is absurd. Really? You, you, don't, you don't say. say. Yeah. <laughs> um, who you would ask would give the keys to a brand new Lamborghini to a 16-year-old young man? No. Nope. Well, and he goes, well, I have a better question. Who would be foolish enough to think their daughter was worth less than any car? It should be as unthinkable for us to turn over our 16-year-old daughters over to this young man as it is to our us to contemplate giving him a depreciating hunk of metal. Well, I mean, it could actually be going up in value depending on yeah, the Yeah, well, especially Sorry, now, nowadays. Sorry, But anyways, he goes, I believe modern dating is no more than glorified divorce practice. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't remember even that. Yep. Our children are becoming serial monogamous who give themselves away over and over again to unworthy candidates who break their hearts, scar their psyches, and often cause them to sin against God. Something simply has to give. Bridget and I, this is where he lost me. Yeah. I'm being honest here. Yeah. Bridget and I have decided long ago that dating would not be a part of our children's lives. We both bear the scars of traveling that road ourselves and believe it is our duty to guard our children from these pitfalls as much as possible. Thus, our daughter, who is 18 at the time of this writing, (laughs) has never been on a date with any man. Yeah, that's messed up. Um, and then he continues on talking about it and goes, there will be a time when my daughter's ready for marriage and thus rave to evaluate potential suitors. At that time, we will guide her in the courtship process with as many safeguards as possible. But for now, I view sending her out on dates with young men as unwise at best. Hmm. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was That's... like, interesting. Yeah. Um, where was this next here? I wish I would have actually highlighted instead of forgetting my notepad at home. Oh, <laughs> you know where I, you know I write down my yeah, Merkle yeah, tablet. Yep, yep, yep. I remember I forgot that at home, and I was like, "Oh, 
Oh, and it didn't sync up, so I don't have it on my. Oh, dang. Yeah. I. Oh, okay. Sending our daughter on dates with young men without benefit of a chaperone is sending a woman to do a man's job. Yeah, that. That's a little funky. He goes, by that, I mean, it is my job to protect my daughter and to walk with her in the decision-making process that leads to marriage. If she is out on chaperone with a young man, I am asking her to do alone what God called me to do with her. So, when does he have, I can't remember, does he have? He has like 10 kids. No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But does he have, uh, I guess, I can't remember if he had any like kind of scriptural stuff backing any of that up. Um, the first, the the first time when he gets to scriptural stuff is this next segment, protecting your daughter's purity. Yep. Protecting daughter's purity. He goes quite simply. Our jobs as fathers is to present our our daughters to their husbands as virgin brides. And he quotes Deuteronomy 22, 13 through 21. Because I just, yeah, I guess I definitely think that's way beyond you know, that's beyond a helicopter parent kind of thing. Right. Because it's in which helicopter parents are always feel like it's just like, hey, you might be a little extreme on this. And I said, like I said, this is where he lost me on yeah. some of his things. Because, yes, I am all for protecting, you know, he goes, protect your daughter's purity. Okay. In the end, that is not so much a father thing. You know, the father can help guide. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's a difference but, between guiding and. But at the same time, it's also on her. You can't control uh-huh. a person's individual thoughts. You can't control a person's individual desires. You can't control what they do outside of your vision. If you are always there saying no, 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 and you're building this barrier where they're not able to do things and to screw up and mess up on their own, when that barrier is finally gone. They're going to do that of which to screw up and mess up on their own. And they're going to go and do exactly what you told them not to do. Yeah. Teenagers are going to do that. 18 year olds are going to do that easily. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Once they get that first taste of freedom, it's, it's time to go. I mean, look, look, the Amish and the Mennonites, right? They have Rusping, what was it? Rusbringa or whatever it is. I do no idea. Do you know what that is? No. So, you know, Mennonites, Amish and all that, they're very, very, you know, no technology, very devout religious group of people. Uh, They have, essentially what they have is a year when they're a young adult where they can go out into the world and experience the rest of the world, you know, however they want, you know, have sex, do drugs, whatever they want to do. And then at the end of that year, decide do they want to go back to their original home or do they want to continue living out in this world that they've been in? Yeah. A good majority actually go end up going back but they give them the chance to see what it's like even outside the confines of their that's small so little weird. environment <laughs> that's strange i never yeah i never knew that yeah so you know and you know because you're asking oh does he have any uh typical you know references right yeah. and i said he uses deuteronomy 22 13 through 21 what you Once know what's in there in that verse no. let's look at deuteronomy 20 Read. 20 through 21 and, and and what so it says it starts off with but if the thing is true right in our words the daughter to be you know of a man is not a virgin before she's wed okay 
But if a thing is true, that evidence of virginity was not found in the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in her father's house. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Yeah, we don't do that today. No. And, and I'm like, That's and, a- and at least he thankfully says, oh, I'm not suggesting we do this. He goes, I'm not saying we we stone people, but uh, I am saying that this is relevant to our discussion. I'm like, How? Right. And he goes on and says, you know, he's talking about why it's we don't do it anymore, blah, 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 blah. He goes, how do we apply the principles in this text without resorting to legalistic interpretations? Okay. He goes, first, we know that the principle of premarital purity is a new covenant principle because the New Testament teaches it clearly and repeatedly. Honestly, I would have gone with these verses instead of the verse that he went with that in Deuteronomy. Yeah. So he goes with Matthew 15, 9, Acts 15, 20. 29, 21, 25, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Ephesians 5, 3 through 11, Colossians 3, 5, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 2 through 8, which are all the more better than the stoning passage. (laughs) I was like, because yeah, I was like, okay, I get it, you know. And and I agree with his next statement, you know, all sex that takes place outside the confines of covenant marriage is sin. Yes, okay. Yeah. And I th- yes, he does talk about this word. It even includes like the thoughts and all that too. And I'm, I'm like, yes, I agree. You know, watching porn, all that stuff. Yeah. Not, not appropriate, not what we need to do there. Right. And then he goes on and talks about that. And he goes on and talks about that, you know, the Deuteronomy 22 and how the, it's essentially, it's the principle that, you know, don't have premarital sex. I'm like, okay, fine. I get that. That's good. You know, and then he goes on and talks about John 8, you know, the woman who was brought to Jesus to be stoned to death because they were following the Old Testament law. Right. And Jesus essentially says, <laughs> no. no, we're not going to do that. Um, and he goes, well, one, Jesus acknowledges the woman had sinned. Duh. And Amashrit goes to no more. Infinitely better textual use than Deuteronomy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that. I get why I use it because it's this big shock and awe value. Sick. But... It huh. doesn't line up properly right there. Yeah. Any thoughts on any of that there, sir? No. no you, you done pretty much did it. <laughs> All um, right. Yeah, I guess think like, whew, with the whole, uh, yeah, next thing I have is for protecting the daughter's heart and stuff like that. Like, I, you know, okay. all the, I feel like it's the idea ideas of all that is good and as a father you should be doing what you can to make sure she does what is right and what is best for her but yeah it's just it's it's when where you draw the line of where you're just you're overdoing it and doing more harm than good i suppose mm-hmm. i go back to because I remember hearing this all the time growing up, you know, the whole thing about like immodest dress in school and that, you know, and then, you know, people go, well, the, the girl shouldn't be wearing that short of a skirt or something. And then them going, well, the guy should be not thinking those things on his own, you know, sort of thing. Even if yeah. he sees it, he should behave himself. Yeah. Ultimately, guess are, what? Both are true. Okay. Yeah. And guess what? The daughter is going to have to learn that as well in here. You know, according, you know, he's, he wants to protect the daughter so much from all this stuff. I'm like, she's going to have to eventually learn these things as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the 
father's role to kind of just like, nope, 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 stop, stop, stop. You know, he again, he goes on, how wise it is, how wise is it for us to encourage our daughters to present themselves to young men in unsupervised premature dating situations if our goal of their if our goal is their purity? I mean, we must make sure we are not tempting the Lord our God. We also must we must also make sure we are not tempting our daughters. That's weird. Yeah, it, w- it was really weird. Uh, and then he, then that's when he starts the protect our daughters' hearts thing. While it is fundamentally important that we protect our daughters' virginity, is perhaps more important that we protect our hearts. And then this is talking about you know the thoughts and what what we're doing. And he's talking about you know women who get married who are technically virgins, but they've done everything else like under the sun, you know, beforehand stuff like that. Yeah, they've done everything else in the world except lose their virginity virginity yeah which it's i mean so that is i guess in my mind something important to be very careful of right of how intimate and how much you give yourself away to others that like outside of outside of sex um uh yeah but they're during a dating relationship yeah but as i say but they're technically a virgin literally means like they could do oral sex they could do right yeah no see that's yeah that's i guess in my mind um well see ah no i I gotta be careful on that um because i mean it doesn't take much at all well especially get a guy guys motor running kind of thing to say um but it's it is i guess i would say it's important yeah to be careful how intimate you allow yourself to get or how i guess the big thing is yeah touchy-feely and just whatnot how far you get in those lines with uh someone you're dating especially depending on how long it's going on for. Yeah. I guess. Like obviously the longer it's been going, hopefully the more so you're thinking about getting ready to pop the question kind of thing. But I mean, yeah, it's cause that's what, I mean, the more you allow yourself, like the more you give of yourself to a person during a relationship, if things don't end up working, the more that's going to hurt. A lot when it comes to an end. But obviously it's not to say that you don't give any of yourself in a relationship. But it's like, be mindful of it, I suppose. Right. Yeah. All right. So any other thoughts on protecting the heart? No. Okay. Yeah. And it really does come down to essentially, you know the thoughts and that, and, you know, and he, in, in here, he talks about finding a, a footlocker of his that had all these like memories of old girlfriends or whatever, and how ashamed he was when he found it and how they had an argument over it and everything. And I was just like, you know, in a way she sounds a little jealous to be honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause I'm like that, you know, it, it, that happened in the past. They're married now, but that's just me. And I guess, no, it, that makes sense. If 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 we were talking, he'd be like, "Well, you're immature." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm immature." Yeah, anyways, <laughs> I'll wait, yeah never mind. 
So then the next one is protect your daughter's focus. And I just about bust out laughing because I was like, seriously, dude, you're now trying to control her time. Oh, hey, man. So he goes, it is important that we protect oh. their focus. Um, so many young women devote inordinate amounts of time to dating relationships. They spend every waking moment with their boyfriends or thinking about being with them. There are dates, visits, and extensive phone conversations, not to mention endless hours of daydreaming, fantasizing, and romanticizing. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Right. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, young love is like that. It's okay to be like that. You know, spend a little bit of extra time thinking about the other person because you kind of like them. Yeah. And I mean, all things go right. You're about to be spending a lifetime with them. So better get used to it. You would hope so, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he talks about Gossip Girl and Desperate Housewives. And I was just like, (laughs) no, I I don't even think you even know what that means. But um, yes. Go for it. But then he goes on and he goes, okay, so what should an unmarried woman's, especially a young woman's, focus be? He goes, it should be what Corinthians 7 says. And I was like, okay, interesting. And he goes, this is what a young woman should focus on. And I just kind of go, you're not finding any young woman who's going to do this, honestly. These are good guidelines. I get what you're saying. I get what the Bible is saying. I'm not discounting the Bible at all. But at the same time, I think maybe you're taking some things out of context and maybe we need to read the full context. Because here's what he says. Yeah. He goes, the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Like, Yes, I, I get what you know yeah. what why you're saying, but in the whole context of things, if you read about it, that, you know, Paul then goes on to talk about how you know for some people it's meant to be single their entire lives, and uh, and how you can use that and everything. And I'm just like, okay, cool. And he goes, the picture Paul paints in this passage is of a woman with a singular focus, not a woman who has a serious boyfriend with whom she has she plays house in her teen years. I was Please, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. I assure you the church is not in need of more girls in their late teens and early 20s who are investing their lives in relationships with young men. What we do need, however, is an army of young women with laser-sharp focus on the Lord and his bride. We need more young women serving, praying, and giving. Uh, and giving. Okay. I, I was making sure. I thought I read a comma. Nope, that's mm-hmm. a period. We need more young women developing and using their spiritual gifts and talents with which they have been blessed. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Right. I get it, but they're going to date. <laughs> Not everyone's going to go with your courtship model when your 18-year-old is like, Daddy, can can Josh come over and <laughs> we have dinner tonight? Oh, my gosh. Ugh. And his, his yeah. 18-year-old daughter has never had been on a date, period. That's, that's weird. And won't be unsupervised with a young man even after she's 18. Yeah, I was like, see at that point it's like because it's like that just tells me you don't trust your daughter to do what's right yeah exactly that's what I said eventually your kid will have to learn and grow up on their own because if this is the person that you say yes you may marry her and yes you may date my daughter this is that same guy they're gonna fight they're gonna have arguments they're gonna oh yeah they're gonna do things wrong 
And, yeah. they, and they can't go to, can't go, daddy, 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 protect me every time. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm near death. No. <laughs> I'm like, no, that doesn't work out. And, and to be honest, as a guy who was on the receiving end of that one time, it sucked. I hated it. Receiving end. Where I was the guy and she would go, daddy, 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 about uh, everything. And I was like, no, it, it, it sucked. Yeah. It, it was almost emasculating because it was like, we were dating, definitely not anywhere near teens, in our 30s. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, you, you're going to your dad about every single little thing. No. Right. I was like, your dad's not part of this relationship. Yeah. And your dad is your dad. And, you know, if we move beyond it, you know, yes, he would be my father-in-law and, and part of the family, but he's not in this relationship. And that's what this guy's doing too. And I'm just like, <laughs> maybe that's why I have such a negative attitude right. towards what this guy's right. writing. If I'm being a hundred percent honest. Yeah. I guess I'm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'm a bit jaded. I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. No, because I guess I can't like, again, I don't know. I'm just wondering, is there like a balance sort of deal where it's like, hey, you don't want her going to her dad and like for validation for every single thing that goes on. I guess that's different though than there is. Pretend, there's, there's a difference between that and then pretend, like occasionally going to your dad for advice on something. Yeah. That, that, those are two completely different things. Totally different. Yeah. So, so any other yeah. comments on chapter nine? No. Okay. Chapter 10, the one that had the most confusing title, and I was a little concerned going in. Yeah. There's Can't a, find yeah. one, build one. Yeah. Build. build and I was like, build a boy. And this is where he talks about his um, suburban filling it up with 96 stars worth of gas. Yeah. And he goes, 96 American dollars. American dollars. USD, America. baby. America. <laughs> I was, and, and it was it, it was so like right wing conservative reading this, and I was just yeah. like, "Oh, can you be any more stereotypical?" Dude, I, I cracked up as soon as it said where he turned on or whatever, like the radio so and goes, Fox News came. Yeah. On. So <laughs> as I climbed back into the truck, I started up and blaring out my radio was Fox News yeah. host Neil Cavuto talking about I, the cost of oil. I died. I listened to him in his guest debate about alternative fuels, higher efficiency vehicles, hybrids, and the ubiquitous stop being dependent on foreign oil slogan. Yeah. I was like, oh boy. I, just, I was just like, can you be any more stereotypical? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> I died. But essentially what he's doing that for is because he's talking about how there was less supply and more demand for oil at the time. Yeah. And the rising gas prices and all that stuff. And he goes, unfortunately, when it comes to biblically qualified husbands, Again, you have to read the previous nine chapters to find out what he considers a biblically qualified husband. Um, we can't do much about demand. Thousands of Christian women need godly husbands. And no matter what happens in Massachusetts and California, there are no alternative sources for these women. Well, now there are, but let, let's not dwell on that. I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> <clears throat> so the typical U.S. congregation draws an adult crowd that's 61% females, 39% males. That's crazy. Crazy to me. 
Well, look at it this way. If you're a single guy, you odds, got good odds, man. Odds are forever in your you favor. You got choices, my guy. <laughs> as many as Jeez. 90% of the boys who are being raised in church will abandon it by their 20th birthday. That was the shocker for me in this. Chapter. Really? It was a shocker for well, you? Well, not a shocker, what? but just like that was like the worst. For me, it was just like the saddest part thinking of that statistic. Why? Huh? Why? Why? Uh huh. That's a lot of kids just calling it quits. Can I be honest with you? No. I don't like being honest. Kidding. I know you thought that was going to be me. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Which you've told me that before. Yeah. But yeah. Because I keep going back to our, um, I call it our standoff conversation. Oh my God. Where we were standing out, where just the, out, this? out of the blue, you messaged me like, I'm not going to be there tonight, you know, yeah. for music for youth group and that. Just out of the blue, out of nowhere, last minute. And uh, you weren't at youth group, so I came by and swung by your house after. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to even talk to anybody. Yep. No. And we literally stood on opposite sides of the lawn. <laughs> it was so awkward. Chatting. Just thinking about this. And. That uh, was like, hey, would you at least come to breakfast? And then we went to breakfast, and then that's where we had a big, long conversation in the parking uh-huh. lot of the restaurant. You know, but yeah, th- there was definitely a point in time where I was like, Aaron might have been one that 90%. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah? Uh, I'm glad I wasn't. Me too, but I mean. It, it, yeah, it's still like, yeah, even while wow, remembering that, just it. What was what the heck was going on in my mind? There, there was a lot going on at that time with you. There was. So, there still is to well, a point, but there always it, will be. It, there always <laughs> will be, right? But this is, yeah. It, it, no, it, it does. I guess. No, I should. I, it does sadden me that that's a thing, and it's like, which I'm sure, so many, you know, youth pastors and youth leaders and stuff are thinking like how do we help these kids understand more one i guess about who god is and just everything about it and keep them involved versus just letting them which i mean yeah again ultimately it's an individual person's choice right but it's like how do we I, what can we do, I guess, in terms to help keep them around and keep them interested into it without, without, you know, sacrificing any truth or anything like that. And it's getting harder and harder each generation. It is. It's nuts. Yep. Because truth is becoming more and more and more and more and more relative. Mm-hmm. So after that wonderful statistic and all that, he goes on to talk about his bullet points. His bullet points, the first one, raise godly young men. I was like, okay, I get that. You know, in other words, have kids and raise them up in the way of God. Cool. I get that. A hundred percent, right? And he goes, oh, oh, and here's my sub bullet points on this. He goes, God requires it of you, you know, for you to raise, you know, for not only, not the having kids and having boys necessarily, but, you know, raising them up in the right ways and, you know, godly way, right? He goes, it'll bring you much joy. I was like, 
okay, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. You know, he and he brings them some New Testament verses where it essentially says, I long to see you that may be filled with joy. Essentially what it's talking about here is Paul writing to Timothy, you know, and saying, hey, I, I can't wait to see you. It'll bring me much joy. I can't wait to see, you know, how, what you've been going. Because essentially kind of Paul kind of adopted him, essentially, the younger guy, and helped him out, you know, with the various things, right? Um, I, This one was the, no one can do it like dad can. I was like, well. <laughs> he goes, fathers have a very unique role to play in the development of their sons. Our wives, our pastors, our sons, friends, and others can teach them only so much. Only Ultimately, man-making is up to dad. I was like. Okay, but let's go back to that that stat where how many people are without fathers in their homes? Are you then disqualifying right. all those guys from being able to? Uh, exactly. There's there should be a father figure. Yes, it doesn't have to be the father and well, a father himself. Yeah, and in I forget what I think it was the previous chapter. It talks about where he went to live with his uncle because his dad wasn't around all the time. Yeah. He went to live with his uncle, and his uncle was like a marine drill instructor. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He's like yeah. His, he didn't have to yell. He just he was stern, and he, you know, you you followed, you right? Know? And that was a great influence on him. I was like, yes, cool. Yeah, it's like I I agree. You know, hundred percent. You know, with these things, you know, in, in the the it will bring you much joy. I was the first time I read that. I was like. What? What? <laughs> and I was like, okay, read the first sentence. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Three John four. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, absolutely. I see, John. You know, John's doing that, and and I get it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the same with like me and you, man. You know, I like I told you recently the the one thing that I had asked of you long ago is was you pay it forward in a way. In other words, you find someone to kind of help through things and mentor things as well. And without even realizing it, you're like, oh, wait, I am doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Without even realizing it. And I was like, see, that was the one thing I asked that you do and you did it. So congratulations. (laughs) You know, and it does bring me joy in in seeing that. You know, I'm not your dad. I don't try to be your dad. Although there are times where it seemed like I kind of had to be (laughs) dad-like. I had to be dad-like at times. Yeah. It really did seem like it, but. Yep. Um. I, I you did not, well. I tried not to. I didn't want to be, but I, I am glad to see how that has happened for you, and then how you are now starting to help the next person down the line. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's so weird. By the way, the next bullet point was just the Uh-oh. first time I read. It, I was like, I'm in too modern of America where this could be taken the wrong way. Oh gosh, What's surround that? yourself with young men. <laughs> I was like. Well, what is he do talking about? Gosh, and I was like, oh, okay. That's what I said. In the modern America, it could be taken the wrong way. Right? You, know, you got me thinking about Letter Kenny now. Jeez. <laughs> Stop thinking about that show right now. I can't. But so nothing really kind of um, in, in there was like really all that standing, standing stand out. out. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, your daughter's mate may come from your circles. Okay, yeah, cool. I understand that. Yeah. You know, essentially it's like get to know the younger men in your community, like the church and your and all that, uh, because your daughter may uh you know, Tensely. choose choose someone from those things, right? Right. Uh which I guess that's not bad. No, it's not, you know. It's not a bad thing to do. 
But don't get weird about it. <laughs> yeah. And so then it's like, seek out young men at work. And essentially, he's like, find men at your job that would be a good son-in-law for you. So I was, I was like, okay, the, uh, that's starting to get creepy. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then he goes, have young men in your home. I was like, we should take a per- advantage of every opportunity we have to use our homes as evangelistic outposts. We must also use them as places to refresh the brethren. Okay. Right. Right. I've found that single young men appreciate opportunities to eat and fellowship with families. I know I did when I was a young man. There's no better place. There's perhaps no better place for us to model godly manhood and biblical family life. This is also a great way to allow our daughters to interact with young men in a safe environment. This is both useful for instruction and cultivation. Uh, That just sounds creepy. It does. As a matter of instruction, it is very helpful to watch our daughters interact with young men and give them feedback. Do our daughters need to learn to be more modest? Do they need to work on being better conversationalists? Are they too familiar, argumentative, or informal with young men? Are they flirtatious? These are questions parents will never be able to answer unless they are engaged in social settings where their daughters are interacting with young men. Our homes are perfect training grounds for these kinds of issues. Of course, the same is true for the evaluation of the young man. The home is also a great place to cultivate relationships with potential suitors. As mentioned in the previous chapter, it is unwise to allow these types of relationships to grow without the benefit of oversight and supervision of some sort. Seeing a young man in our home is a great way to cultivate a relationship without abandoning our responsibility. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. I, I, this is where I'm like, you've taken helicopter parenting to extreme where you're helicopter parenting both the kids and you're inserting yourself into their dating relationship. Right. Well, yeah. that's how I was like, he lost me. I guess yeah, I'd, man, I'd be I'd be curious to talk with a family we know that daughter is currently dating someone and all that kind of fun stuff, whatever. Let's see how much they agree with this. Well, no, not not well, not that, but just to see like what I guess yeah, like because I'm sure he's over quite often. The, yes, well, the, often enough. Yep. There's a difference between him being over. And them interacting, well, and then yeah, that's the only time when they interact. Okay, yeah, no, that's wrong. That's the difference. That's wrong. Um, I guess I would say, um, but it's like because yeah, I mean, depending on how dinner goes or whatever it is goes, I mean, I yeah, it would be good to be observant on, I guess, their actions, right? Um, but then and yeah, so I guess yeah, as far as a father goes to his, but it's like, yeah, be observant of how his daughter acts. And if there's anything that comes off as maybe wrong on how she's acting, it'd be good to point that out as far as to maybe even what the guy would be doing. Be like, Hey, maybe this isn't good or I don't think this is right. But I guess, yeah, it'd be better. Yeah. Just make them aware of stuff. And I guess obviously allow them to think it out and stuff or whatnot. But I mean, yeah. obviously, if something's clearly wrong, they'd be like, Ugh, yeah, and that's that is a good, you know, it there's nothing wrong with, you know, 
the guy or whatever, spending time with the girl's family. Nothing wrong with that. That's oh, great. I, Cause yeah, especially cause you see things like that. Important. <sighs> where, where I'm having conniptions with this book is yeah. where he's like, no, this is the only way in which they're seeing each other. No, that's not that, okay. that. That's where I'm having issues. Yeah. That's um, not, but that really, you know, and then I'll, I'll just say with the conclusion where he talks about the next thing, you know, uh, essentially just kind of talks about why essentially interracial marriages or dating or courtships or whatever are fine and everything. And it, it, I find it, I don't know, funny or weird or whatever. The, the, his biggest argument for why racism and dating and courtship and interracial is good. He goes, well, if you do it only by race, then it limits your dating potential pool. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, right? That, I, that was your big. That was like one of your big points. I was like, no. Oh, I guess I, I I didn't think of that as a big point. Yeah, that was one of his main ones. Oh, okay. I didn't. I guess yeah. For my mind didn't read it like that. But because I thought for for as far as that goes, like I thought like man, how messed up that is to think that. Oh, but to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Um, <laughs> that used to be a thing in the United States. And, oh, yeah. And that was a horrible part of our past and our history. Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not, that's not even that far off. Either. No. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. So any other uh, thoughts, things that stuck out from you from chapter 10 or conclusion? Culture is taking too long to produce men, which I mean, yeah, yep. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, but um, did you read through all that, what he's talking I, about that? Right. So that's on page 203 of the book. Um, mm-hmm. So where he says, you know, John Quincy Adams was an ambassador by the age of 14. 14. That seems hard to believe. That's I would need, crazy. I'd need to yeah. look that up because that's a young kid, right? Yeah. Today we consider men adolescents for whom living at home and being taken care of by their parents is acceptable well into their 20s. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> men used to marry in their teens. Now they wonder if they are ready in their 30s. We have an epidemic of immature men in our culture. We are simply taking too long to turn boys into men. Our forefathers may have died younger, but they lived longer in the process. Yeah. And then here's where I talk about where it's kind of one of his main points, because it, it, it all this up until now culminates into this point up here. Between the rise of the pragmatic romantic view of marriage, the emasculation of young men, and he talks about feminism as emasculating young men. Yeah. And our insistence on prolonging adolescence, living into 20s with your adult parents, there's a woefully narrow field of biblically qualified marriage candidates. How then can we justify narrowing the field even further by imposing unbiblical standards like ethnicity? Right. No, and that's, I mean, yeah, I I get his point to that, that it's said that some people would make ethnicity a big deal as to far as who you can date or not date thing um at that point it should be a preference thing not a biblical thing yeah right um i guess the whole thing with also (laughs) just i don't know this random i guess thought comment just came to my head was where he talks about how you know like um uh, men used to marry in their teens. Now they wonder if they're ready in their th- in their thirties. Well, thanks to your book, that's making me think that. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, I mean, yes, men need to be men and stuff like that. Well, need to grow up and become men and whatnot. But uh, it's it's man, I don't even know. It's not just men, obviously. It's there's so much going wrong across the spectrum with everyone. So, I mean, times are changing. Things are getting different. 
and it's <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to go about things the best way we th- think is right. Yep. So it's not like you can't put an age to a time where like you're supposed to be married by this time or you should be having this many kids because this is what's the best or what. Eh, you can't put, I guess, barriers or like expectations on that kind of stuff. So let me ask you this, Mr. Johnson. Yeah. If you had to give this book a scale on a scale of zero to five, what would you uh, give this book overall? Oh no. It's funny because I remember at first I was like, oh man, this is really cool. Mm. But after going through it again, it's just like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> so what would you give it? I mean, uh, three at most. Okay, so you'd give it a three. Two to three. Um, Pick. It, it's because two it's, and a half. Yeah. Okay. Because it's like there's some stuff that I feel like is good, but also what as you say, where it really starts to lose you with all that stuff. It's like, yeah, it seems very. If I had hmm. been reading this only up until chapter six, I'd say like a three or four, like a three and a half. Right. Okay. As soon as I introduce seven through ten into the mix, this it drops down to a down. two. Yeah, for me, and the reason is specifically seven through ten. I I cannot abide by that. I cannot get behind that. Yeah, call me whatever he would. He would go. Oh, you're just not following the biblical order. I don't care if he calls you're not following yeah. the biblical order. I, I I'm gonna have to say I cannot. Yeah, do that myself. I could not do that to my kids if I ever have kids, which I probably won't. But I wouldn't even <gasps> expect that. Like I'm. Like the youth group kids and all that, be like, nope, 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 nope. Only date around your parents. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's that's like that. There's something wrong with that. Culture has changed way too much. But all right, yeah, man. Any closing comments, thoughts? I guess I liked to end it. I did like the, the uh, conversation he had with his uncle, and with you know, I guess just being a Christian in general, mm-hmm. not having to do with you know, being a man and being something, you know, being a man that a woman would look for, whatever, all all stuff set aside. Just being a Christian in general is this line made me think uh, when his uncle says, you have to remember what they're being trained for when he's talking about these, uh, like the Marines or whatever in, in camp and stuff and how intense and how brutal some of their training is and it's yeah it is remembering what they're getting ready for you have to really work at it hard to be prepared for all the tough stuff that is it's what's the word i'm looking for it's it's gonna happen eventually regardless so as a christian being ready to one be able to fight temptation um, how to well love the the biggest thing I think is is loving those that you don't think are deserving of love. Um, is a huge one. It's patience. Just the Christian life. It's it's tough. Mm-hmm. It ain't easy. So I especially well, especially when you're on your own for periods of time. It 
I don't know, reading that just made me realize how much more serious it is to be in the word, to be studying the word, learning about God, Christ, and all that stuff, to realize we're being trained to be fighting some, well, the devil, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. It's his work that we're fighting against, and his work is nasty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So that was probably, for me, a good way to end it because <laughs> it made me think of that at least. All right. Yeah. Well, Aaron, yeah. this was definitely an interesting um, endeavor. Experiment. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to do book another book? I hope so. It'd be fun. All right. We'll figure out what book two is of Aaron's book club yeah. here on User Words Podcast. Yeah.